Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N Guitars.com This is Everything is Personal with Len May. Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Everything is Personal. As always, my co-host, Mr. John Small. Hey, hey Hey. everybody, and and, and I'd like to say hello with a little special sound effect. Oh, that's that's so relaxing. That's nice. Thank you, that was my (laughs) bong hit because we all know how fond I am of (laughs) bongs. Did you catch that? Hey, y'all. I try to do yeah, a little check bit of, you out. associate with the theme that we're probably going to go into today. So I just yes, kind of you are so correct. Time. We are going to be talking in a, in just a moment with one Tommy Howe, who is our editor, but he's also a former radio DJ and a country music fan. Yeah. Something that neither Lynn <laughs> or, nor I have any interest in. Tommy is also running for office, so if he gives some sort of political stump speech, now we know why. Sorry, yeah. Tommy. I'm going to go into that with him. Yeah, so yeah. He's curious. he's uh, he's very into it. But before he gets on, we have lots to talk about. He's going to join us in just a few moments. But yeah. man, we got a lot to cover. We've got so much on our minds, right, Lynn? That is true. Yeah, it's so much. So the first thing I wanted to kind of casually talk about the, the show, uh, we were going back and forth about this hip hop uncovered on yes. FX. Right. There's a new show on FX. It's also yeah. on Hulu, I think yeah. like a day after it's on FX, right. called Hip Hop Uncovered. And uh, I had a chance to watch most of it. I think there's two episodes out now. Yeah, correct. I had a chance to watch most of it. And I, yeah, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. It's certainly not a world. We should probably explain what it is. The way I perceive it is the world of hip hop is funded by drug money. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who have participated in this who are power players. So they kind of go into this story of who are the power players, West Coast, East Coast, right. uh, maybe some in the South, and uh, how are they connected? And there's a common thread of uh, you know violence and drugs and all this and, other stuff. And so far, it's from back in the day. I don't know if it's going to go to present day, but we're looking at yeah. It's kind of following like four or five figures who are these big kind of drug kingpins back in the kind of early days of hip-hop in both mm-hmm. the west coast and the east coast and kind of how they influenced hip-hop and yeah. their lives and it's really it's interesting because i've never really seen hip-hop cover from this perspective before right. it's right it's sort of about how like what came first like the rappers are rapping about the people that are you know funding their careers and 
the, the lives of these people. And some of these people even appear in their videos and on their the backs of their records. It's all these kind of like, we didn't realize this maybe, or unless you were in the know, you didn't realize that like Eric B and Rakim, when they posed yeah. for that famous picture on the back of their record, is standing yeah. around with a bunch of drug dealers. Yeah. I know that was very interesting. And I was definitely riveted for a little while, but then I started having, I personally started having some problems with the show and I'd be curious right. to hear your thoughts. So what are some of the problems that you had? Let's, let's well, jump into you know, and I want to be like prissy here, but I'm a little bit, <laughs> it started to glorify it a bit. I, I don't mind reporting on right. it as a sort of documentary style. Like this is what happened. But when it starts kind of glorifying that kind of drug money and the drug life and the drug lifestyle, and mm-hmm. it just seemed like it was kind of wrongheaded. It was kind of making these guys into heroes and like, you know, we created hip hop and all this stuff. And it's just, you know, they have a, they had a role and I appreciate their role. And I, it's interesting to learn about the role, but, but I felt like the, there was a tone of the whole thing that was kind of like, these guys are the coolest thing ever. And I yeah. feel like that is not a great message for anybody to hear. It felt wrong to me and I didn't really want to support it in a weird way. Like I didn't yeah. like, like, I don't think these guys are like, should be celebrated as heroes. Like they killed, probably mm-hmm. killed a lot of people. Yeah. They fucked yeah. up a lot of people's lives. And, you know, they made their money on drugs. Now, it makes the comparison that, like, they weren't doing anything different than, like, a Mike Milken or these kind of, like, sure. corporate. And that's true. Very true. But I also don't like things that glorify those people. That was my problem. I just didn't like the glorification of the gangster kind of like What about Suge Knight? Well, like, what about the, you yeah. know, that, that guy, you, the guy, the, the big you. The big you who sound yeah. like a thug. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm not... Big U, if you're listening out there, yeah, I don't want to. I, I love Big U. He, I shouldn't <laughs> you, say thug. Big he fan. Like he sounded like, yeah, I love Big U. By the way, I love you, Big U. If you want to hang be on our show, no, for I sure. shouldn't say that word because that word's also charged with all sorts of. Rage. I, I don't mean a thug. I just mean he sounded like he was a tough guy that got into a lot of fights. Oh yeah, <laughs> back, no, he can definitely back when he was a back when he was younger. I mean, now he's an older guy, but yeah, yeah. it sounded like he was a big street fighter. So what, what was your thought? Well, Do you have the same? I, take? I kind of, I kind of agree, and then uh, it partially, and then I'll tell you. There's there's a lot of thoughts that I had going through this because it was some reality there. So when we had our shops, Kush Kingdom was a sponsor. They rappers would come to us and ask us to sponsor them, and ask us to pay for their demos, and ask us to pay for their CDs. So we would have promotional material, and then there was a company called Serious Pimp who made glasses uh, like Don Juan, like Don Magic Snoop, Juan. yeah, all those guys. They wore these glasses. They also co-sponsored with us. So a lot of it was just like, here, you know, here, take take a pound and uh, we'll, we'll pay you and we'll raise money. We'll, and our name, like uh, Kush King, was on the CD too. So there is an element of that because when they don't have the big label distribution, they don't have all that stuff, yet there is a part of it where you need to get money from somewhere. And who do you know? Who do you connect to? You know, these guys are in the neighborhood. One of the things... I think this sort of illuminates it a little bit more. And I'm, once again, not overly familiar with a lot of Nipsey Hussle's work, uh, mm-hmm. just from what I heard. But to me, he wasn't a huge like hip-hop star. I didn't connect to a lot of his music. I see his image painted all over the city everywhere. Yeah, uh, he meant a lot to a lot of people. We had yep. an interaction with uh, Nipsey where he he was going to get on our CD. Before he was signed, he was going to get on our CD. Same kind of thing, you know, I guess it's drug money in a way too, but then I see a mural of Kobe mm-hmm. next to a mural of Nipsey together, and I was like, "Man, really?" I, I you know, and I'm nothing against Nipsey. You know, he did his thing. He was in the Crips, I believe, and and he gave back to his community. 
But Kobe is like an iconic, legendary figure who passed away tragically, not through a shooting or anything like that, and meant so much to so many people all over the world. I'm not sure if that's the, the same kind of... I know they passed away around the same time, so maybe that's right, the reason why. Right, and it was kind why. of like this L.A. connection. But there is a connection to L.A. Yeah, I don't, I don't see a similarity between those two just right. because they're both... They have, both happen to be black. Right. <laughs> like, that's... You know, okay. I, I don't know. That seems... Does, does Nipsey... Uh, did he speak Italian? Maybe that was... It. <laughs> yeah, maybe that was it. He did have a good name. <laughs> Nipsey Hussle's a good name. But um, Nipsey Hussle seems to be very much a product of, like, the LA streets and very much like the LA culture. And I, I never connected to with him. I'm certainly not the generation that connected with him. I hadn't barely even heard of him before he died. I know he's huge. I know he meant a lot to like Snoop and he was like, Snoop was like his mentor. Right. And um, yeah, I don't see the similarity, but you know, Nipsey, yeah, they, I mean, he's in, he's featured in this as somebody that was definitely connected with that whole drug right. scene. Right. The perception I get is that a lot of the guys coming up in rap early on were very, you know, they were very attracted to all the drug money that they were seeing in their neighborhoods. You know, not just the rappers, but a lot of right, people were. And it right. was very attractive and you could make money very, very quickly. And all that is really valid and, and interesting and gives you a perspective on how this music came to be. I guess my only reservation with this thing is that it seemed to be very much like saying these guys were like the greatest thing ever. Well, and like, I, I just don't think it was realistic. Here, here's here's yeah. the reason why I think it's not. So Nas has an interview with Rick Rubin on, on his podcast. And what he talks about is back in the day, the way we have it now, you know how rappers are wearing all the chains, the most expensive things, driving the most expensive cars and all that stuff. He said, if you would wear even a thin chain, like back in the day, people were beating people up and stealing sneakers. You have Pumas on, they're gone. Like we're not yeah. in that era anymore. Everybody's wearing, you know, $10,000 Nikes and not even thinking about that. So back in the day, you needed to have a crew. You needed to have protection. You needed people looking out for you. You needed. You can't walk around wearing those chains. Right. You know all that stuff. So I understand from a cultural standpoint where you had to be surrounded by certain people. But there's a sort of dual faction. I, people that went legit and said, "Okay, I was a drug dealer. I'm going to be a rapper. Uh, right. Jay Z, Fifty Cent. You, you name them. Or I'm investing in the label. I'm investing in this. I'm going to start a label. So I'm yeah. um, Birdman or whatever it is. And, or Suge Knight even. Sounds like Big U kind of is that too, right? Well, but this is the question. So Big yeah. U is there. He's there. He's everywhere. But yep. what is he? Does he have a label? Does he have uh, any of those people? They are all connected. And the one dude was uh, on stage with was Run DMC. The guy from New York, uh, Migs. Yeah, yeah, Migs was yeah. who was in that part, that crew called the yeah. Supreme Team. Yeah, yeah, and he was team. he was like th- those guys really looked up to Migs, um, right. and then Migs when they became the biggest rap group in the world, he looked up to them. I mean, you know, I th- that was kind of cool to watch. Yeah, it's just that I don't know. We don't know much about what Migs role was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, well, well, we know from what they we, tell us that he was a drug well, dealer. Well, I'll, I'll just say this: there is. This is the only knowledge that I have, not anecdotal, not like hearsay. This is on my own personal eyes and what I witnessed. When you go to a studio, the studio is supplied with drugs. There's somebody that's job is to supply drugs to the recording mm-hmm. process. Uh, so they go out there, and when you have that connection with somebody, they become a trusted part of the crew. And they sit there, and then sometimes they're like, hey, uh, we need some more money for the studio. 
there's studio money. Sometimes there's a credit that goes on, sometimes not. And I don't know what that payoff is, but maybe it's that connection to the music, connection to the lifestyle. Same thing with when we used to have uh, shops back in the day too. Sometimes we had a manager of a very famous uh, musician that would come in and they would get stuff. And I'm like, why? What's the purpose? Mm -hmm. Because everybody comes to our place and we want to make sure everybody's medicated. And I, yeah. I, was, I was always curious about that because they're spending money. At the end of the day, they're spending the artist money because mm -hmm. the artist pays for the studio time. The artist pays for that. So at some point, there's some sort of reciprocal relationship. I just don't know culturally what the payoff is, except for maybe the show is the payoff. Hey, after all this, here you go. Now you're going to be big you as a star, as a household name. So I have no idea. Uh, yeah, is, but. I know what you're saying. I appreciate that they're bringing to light something that nobody has really, to this moment, really brought to light, at least in a popular culture kind of way. I mean, everybody, yeah. I guess, who's in the rap game knew that this has this underbelly. And by the way, this underbelly exists in all forms of entertainment, in yeah. all communities. Yeah, it's not I just mean, rap. The mafia, just yeah, the mafia has been around in many different industries. And I was thinking like, well... Okay, I'm saying that I don't like how they glorify this. You know, did, did I like The Sopranos and that glorified the mafia? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it, in some ways, that's like a good double standard. And I don't, I mean, I enjoyed watching The Sopranos. Again, I had the sort of probably the same perspective that I didn't, I hope it wouldn't make people watching it want to join the mob. Um, <laughs> I don't but, think it's know, just it is, as easy as like, hey, yeah, I, think I mean, I'm gonna we, we're going to be endlessly fascinated with the illicit market in any world. So I'm definitely interested. In, I don't know if I'm going to like watch the entire series. I'm going to watch. I'm fascinated by it because I, I'm trying to figure out, especially like the one dude, the Haitian dude. like mm -hmm. uh, Haitian Jack. Yeah, Haitian Jack. I'm like, what is he all about? He's a mystery. Yeah, we don't know who he is yet, but we know that he was friends with Madonna. Yeah. And he I doesn't like mind in their shooting career, people. he just opened a lot of doors. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. mind shooting people too. He's, a, he's big on that. They he told a great story about how somebody stole his father's cab. I mean, it was like a movie. Somebody stole yeah. his father's cab. From, and then he went around the neighborhood and said, if I, if, you know, if you don't return that cab, he said to all the people that steal cars, if you don't return that cab, I will kill you. Yeah. And then the next day the cab <laughs> was returned yeah. to the yeah. front. He said, cab. he said, I'm going to go that they stole a cab. I'm going to go to all the thieves. So he knows the thieves in the neighborhood. I'm going to yeah. gather them together. I'm going to say, if the cab is not returned, I will start killing the thieves. And yeah. I mean, I think the one thing a show like that does, a documentary like this, is that, you know, I, here I am, I love this music hip-hop so much, but I don't, you know, having not grown up in the situation that most of these people have grown up in, I don't always have that kind of connection to it and that kind of appreciation for it because it just wasn't my experience. I just love the music so much, yeah. and I love the characters no, I and the artists. I, 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 you know, and it's it yeah, gives you almost a different perspective on, on everything, which, some, which I appreciate, but I also don't want it to, like, for having me to make me think differently about the music because it means so much to me. Well, speaking of music, there was one other thing we wanted to talk about before we brought Tommy yeah. on. I was watching something. I don't remember what I was watching. And a song came on. A Skilo. I, I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was... Oh, that's the one. Right. That's the one. And I was like, I was like, what the... <laughs> <laughs> Skilo. You gotta get better at the I was like, what the fuck did Skilo ever do after that? I'm like what? Uh, turns out not a lot. <laughs> yeah, it was a great tune. I'm like, I wonder what one hit wonders. And we know like Vanilla Ice, whatever. I'll tell you, I had the most fun. I was researching. I forgot so many of these amazing songs. Me, and 
yeah. it's so difficult to put together this list. So I know. I think- I'm really curious to hear what you had because, okay, well, we both got Ski Low, yeah. which who did well, I wish. Well, this, this is what I did. I made a 25 list. Whoa. Right? And then I have honorable mentions. And we don't have to do all 25, but I could not come up with my like top 10 or anything of like that. But I really went deep. And you, you there's going to be probably people I haven't. I'm going to be like, oh, why did I not think of that? But also, um, criteria was really interesting because I tried to make a decision like, is it just one single hit or was it a, they, such a huge, huge hit that right. anything else they ever put out pales, doesn't even come yep. anywhere close? I got to a that. good example of that. Rob Bass. Uh, right? On my list. On my right? list. Because as an it honorable takes mention, a, though. It takes two is considered one of the is like probably one of the greatest one. Yeah, but then he had a raps, but he also had joy and pain. Joy and pain, few, which was a yeah. hit. Right? It was a hit, so he's kind of a two hit one. Exactly. So I couldn't. I know so that was a tough my, one. He's in my honorable mention. There are some that are strictly one hit, but there exactly. are some that are, and we'll talk about it. I mean, All we right. let's go. You want to trade off? Let's do it. So let's trade off. You go first. All right, Craig Mack, flavor yep. in your ear. He's on my list. He's number one on my list. He's number one and on really, my list. So flavor in my flavor in your ear, Craig Mack. He really never he he teamed up with Puff Daddy on that, and it was really like the initial Bad Boy yeah. Productions record. He tried to come back. He definitely never had another. There were three hundred remixes of that song though, so he hits out. <laughs> there were, <laughs> and some of them were even, quite frankly, a little bit better than the original. For sure. But what's really interesting, first of all, I love that rap. I think it's really one of my favorite raps ever made. Yeah. Mine too. And in some ways, like he could could have retired right there, and I just would have been like, "Okay, Craig Mack, you are a legend." But it's kind of sad because Craig Mack. There's a lot of people on that Bad Boy label, you know, that went on to become huge stars, and he right. was not one of them. Yep. And I don't even think he got on stage with them when they did the Bad Boy reunion. You're right. I think that was what I heard. So he's passed away. R.I.P. Yep. Yes. And apparently, he became very religious in the later part of his life and moved yeah. to South Carolina. Yep. Okay, I've got another one. And these guys are funny because it's a band that had one hit, but then they ended up... So House of Pain, Jump (laughs) Around. Number two on my list, by the way. Okay, great. Yeah, I've got Craig Mack, House of Pain. So they did, you know, for those who don't know, they did Jump Around, 1992 hit, great rap, classic. And the thing is, they never, ever did anything famous again as a group, but Everlast left that group to become his own artist, and he did a lot of things, a lot of hits. So Everlast was probably... The second to last show that I saw before the pandemic at the Troubadour. Uh, oh, wow. Incredible. He was incredible. Uh, really bluesy. Super but, talented. Yeah. Not, not a blues guy, but I'm like, Everlast is uh, definitely. I won't hold that against him. <laughs> and it, I think it should be um, credited. I mean, I did not realize this, but the DJ Muggs produced Jump mm-hmm. Around. Yeah. And DJ Muggs is our boy yeah. from, because uh, now yeah. we everything Cypress Hill we love. Yeah. He produced a bunch of those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is another Cypress Hill uh, connection, but DJ Muggs produced a bunch of those guys, like uh, you know, Funk Dubious and uh, all that crew. Who's next on your list? Nucleus Jam on it. Oh my god, that's, that's <laughs> such a good one. Oh, I didn't think of Nucleus Jam on it. A jam, jibba, jibba, jam, jam on, on it. it. That's a really old school, great rap. You know, they have a, the B side of that record is almost as good as Jam on it, but. Like Auto Man, Auto yeah, Man, but, or something. But I mean, but it's not famous. Jam yeah. on it was played all over the world. Like I was, I was somewhere traveling. I'm like, Jam on it. It's played everywhere. It's so huge, and I never. I don't think that. people who didn't grow up at that time understand how big Jam on it was because like, I don't even know if my son has even heard Jam on it. It's like one of those almost like a novelty rap. I mean, it was so popular. I used to get made fun of 
they'd be like, oh, you like rap? Wiki, 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 wiki. Shut right? Because they say wiki, wiki, wiki. <laughs> and I'd be like, shut the hell up. Punch him. You man style. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's great. But all right, go ahead. I got positive K. I got a man. Yeah. It's, What's it, your man got to do, do with, with me? me. Uh, now, the greatest thing mm-hmm. about Positive K, and you probably know this, but yeah. for those who don't know it, and that song, you know, is a duet. Yeah. But what is maybe not known to many people is that the female is actually Positive K, who has been pitched up in the record so that he sounds like a woman. So yep. he's basically rapping with himself. Yep. You know, with the background of Cheryl Lynn's Got to Be Real, yeah. Positive K, never mm-hmm. ever really had another record. I actually tried to set up an interview with him on my other podcast and and i'm still working on that because i just find his story really interesting but he's up in uh, syracuse now okay but um i got a man yep he's on my list but he's uh, he's somewhere in number 16 on my list but he's okay who do you got next uh onyx slam ah (laughs) damn it (laughs) 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 yep slam I mean, and and I looked to see what other songs they had, and they had a couple, but I mean, nowhere near. That song was so huge at the time when it came out. Yeah, that was huge. I always get them confused with um, other bands. Yeah, Lords of the Underground. Lords of the Underground, which, or which, by the way, are on my uh, on my list. Yeah, Uh, they are similar. I get them confused a little bit with those guys. All right, I've got another good one. Rex and Effects. Yes, all I want to do is zoom, Uh, zoom, 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 and a boom, boom. Ba-na-na-na. Yeah, that is a great, so, great song. So I found out I never Rump, really knew Rump anything Shaker. about Rump Shaker. Now I never really knew anything about those guys, and it turns out one of the band members is the brother of Teddy Riley, who was like Teddy Riley was his producer that produced. Yeah. He was in Black Street. Yo, diggity, yeah. about to turn it up. And he also produced like a million um, New Jack Swing yep. records. Yep. And was a huge producer in the in the mid '90s, and and so his he actually produced that record with his brother, and so that's a Teddy Riley record. Yeah. But they never went ended up doing anything again. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, was that it. Was, that was definitely a Teddy Riley, and he he has a signature sound, a legendary. So yeah, uh, new, the New Jack Swing. Uh, well, my next one on the list was Skilo, but I'll skip that since we already brought it up. I wish I was no, but it. I think we should bring Skilo on our podcast because I, I find him to be fascinating because he came out with that record. In the middle of like gangster rap, yeah. and it was like this West Coast <laughs> record about a. It was completely opposite of gangster rap. It was like about a loser, and uh, I've always I always appreciate that. I also love had a great video. Love 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 the video and the song. It's yep. yeah, it's fantastic. Huge video. All right, yep. so I'm not gonna since we already talked about it. My next one is Rapper's Delight, Sugar Hill Gang. That to me is a two hit wonder. But what was the second I hit? Mean, well, Apache, people really, really like that song, Apache. Yeah. Tonto, a jump on it, a jump on it, a jump on it. I didn't know that Yeah, you're right, you're right. I didn't know people knew it as well as I did. I mean, of course, I know all the Sugar Hill records because I bought them all. So to me, they're not a one-hit winner. But I think in the popular imagination, it's true. They're probably, most people just know Rapper's Delight. But there it is kind of a party song, that Tonto, Jump On It. Well, Apache, yeah, it's a great song, but... This is this is the difficulty that I had. It's about like Rapper's Delight. This is the rap song, right? Everybody right. knows Rapper's Delight. Then you put something else out, and it's just pales. Yeah, there's yeah, no I, way that you I can do. Ever, I do like it. Patrick, you're right. Actually, that to come back to Hip Hop Uncovered, it was pretty cool that they all credited Sugar Hill Gang with being the first rap they ever heard. Because it was the first rap I ever heard, but I'd always felt like such a loser that that was the first rap I ever heard. Because I know there were raps that came out before that, but it was really the first record. 
I was I think it was like the first one of the first actual records that had yeah. rap on it. Oh yeah, um, definitely was. Besides uh, Blondie, but you you're you're right. Right. There was like and there was like this Crash Crew had I think had a record. There were not that many vinyl. I mean, it was happening no. and people were doing it on the in the park and stuff. Right. So anyway, I was very happy and I didn't feel like as much as because because Big <laughs> U and and Snoop Dogg and I think uh not I mean all these guys were saying it was the They first all credit Oh, uh, Tyson Tyson said it was yeah, the first rap he ever. Yeah. Had. That made me happy. <laughs> I'm not a total loser. Little oh things. God, Tommy! Little Tommy things. wants to get in. Um, Tommy, I've got, can, uh, Tommy can participate if he wants. Okay, Tommy. Let's, let's do a few on. more each, and it'll be fun. Hey, Tommy. Tommy, how? There he is. <laughs> he's already. He's already. He's got uh, sound effects going. Noise. <laughs> Sorry about that. So this is Tommy, our editor. Well, I, do we yeah. call him like a, he's running for office? Is that, this is our first politician on? Do we call him like? Some sort of royal what, name. What should we call you? Yeah, should is there a royal name that we, Mister uh, Council, somebody? What, what, how do we refer to you? You know, it's you. Get, are we on the record? Are we recording already? We already yes. are recording. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, we can. We can. I think that we know an editor that can uh, edit him. Yeah. Well. Yeah. No matter what. <laughs> yeah. I know a guy. <laughs> uh, you can just call me Tommy. Honestly, that's uh, officially now I'm Commissioner Hal, but but we can just go with Tommy. I think. Oh, that's Commissioner, Commissioner Hal is good. Commissioner Sir. Yes. Hal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you sound you, you sound fantastic. Um, the sound effects. Yeah, the sound effects are actually working. working. <laughs> I hope this this works, Tommy. When you get um, so, Tommy, we were in the middle of we were getting very excited, and we and 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 you can join us. But we were we're doing our segment on one hit wonder rappers. Oh, and um, we've just gone through a bunch. Len has surprised me with a few that I hadn't thought of that are just now just making me mad that I hadn't gone as deep. But um. We're having a blast, so we, we might do a few more of these, and then we're going to get into talking about you and country music, and you're welcome to join. We've already talked about Ski Low. I don't know if you remember Ski Low. I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. Did you remember Ski Low from back in the day? You know, my hip-hop, now, I know enough to be dangerous, but I honestly <laughs> am I'm not at um, at your levels. But, I mean, I, I can okay. tell you, my hip-hop awareness was basically... Public Enemy and Boogie Down Productions, and that's uh, kind of well, about good. where that's it ended, So <laughs> That's good for us. Definitely not one-hit wonders, but, no, but good. No. Is it your turn? I said Rex and Effects, and then oh. you said... Was Sugar Hill You said Sugar Hill Gang, so now one? I'll go. You go. I'm going to say... I'm going to go with... Alex, I'm going to go with Diggable Planets. <laughs> yeah, of Do course. you remember Diggable Planets? They got, Rebirth of Slick. Rebirth of Slick. I'm smooth like that. I'm, I'm cool, cool like that. that. I'm smooth like that. And then I'm cool. Never, I'm ever had another song after well, that. Well, they, they did. One... They had. So here's the thing. I went to see them. This was actually the last <laughs> show that I saw before quarantine. And I saw them in LA in a small club called The Lodge. Okay. And so they, they did were, have a few songs. They were, fa- but it, once again, it's the same thing. When Rebirth of Slick came on, it's like the hit. Everybody knew all the words. And the other songs were cool because they played instruments on stage. You know, they have a, a jazzy kind of vibe to them but yeah. no that's that song is like that's the song it's, it's so the I, song and it really there was never a chance for them to no, ever I, follow I, up yeah, i mean they could have been like the fujis and maybe made and they remind me of the fujis because they had a woman and they had a she's few, great they had two guys yeah she's yeah great. she's really good they should have been bigger somebody screwed up right part now. of it is that they named their their hit record rebirth of slick and no they never say that in the record yeah. so it was hard to they say cool like that in parentheses smooth like that yeah I, cool actually, like that. I actually have the record somewhere dee, on here dee, dee. with a with all a, right so that a was a good one yeah all right so my turn young mc bust a move <laughs> tommy knows that <laughs> one right <laughs> even tommy sure oh my goodness you 
In 1990, you could not walk into any bar or any club and not hear that for three minutes. That's true. That was a very top 40 thing. Biggest, and it really... biggest. And he was on Howard Stern all the time. Howard Stern loved that guy. He was on there all the so, time. So he never he never had another record. Young MC. Ever. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm going to go with right. the Audio 2, Top Billin. Do you remember this rap? Milk is chillin'. Chillin'. He is billin'. <laughs> can I say Top, top Billin'. billin'. The, the biggest made, song for a minute. Let me ask you a question about that. Because on my list, do you think that because they used it in a Biggie rap, do you think that he had a, mm. they had a resurgence and it got big again? Because the original one, it came back again after they used that sample in one of the Biggie songs. I don't know. There's a there's another one on my list where they used the sample in the in a Biggie song. Yeah. I didn't know anything about Audio Two. I did some research on them. Apparently. They were brothers. Yep. Their father produced. Their father was on the record company that they put their record out on. Yeah. They were um, produced by the guy from the Stetsasonic, yep. um, Daddy O. And they had that one song, and yep. they never were able to recreate that song. But it was kind of a seminal song at the time. It was when rappers were just using drum machines and rapping, and it was a lot of good echo, and yeah. it was just a great rap. I, I love that. I, absolutely. Now, the next one, I'm not sure if it's fair. All right, I'll put it out there. It's Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby. I mean, it's definitely a one-hit wonder. <laughs> Would I put him on a list of real rappers? Like, well, yeah, that's that's like my audio struggle. too, and that's my that's struggle. the thing. I just think that he's so like. There's that other guy. What was it, Geraldo or what was that other Gerardo? Um, Gerardo. Rico Suave, by the way. That was my nickname like, uh, growing yeah, up. I mean, you? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because I used to have Rico long Suave. hair like that, and uh, everybody called me Rico. So Vanilla Ice, I mean, we can put him on the list. I just, I mean, these are, good, are supposed to be good. I know, but I, I, but like one hit wonder yeah. rap, I thought, eh, yeah, I struggle with that. Do you one. remember Kid Frost? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So he did La Raza yeah. around the same time that well, Gerardo. There, so if came you're out. if you're going around if you're going down that route, there's also <laughs> Mellow Man Ace who did yes. Mentirosa. Gonna be a player or be my head Cause right now you're just a liar, a straight mentirosa. Oh, me? Today you tell me something, otra cosa. If I'm not mistaken, that was a mugs thing because he's well, the one who brought Cypress Hill on stage with him for the first time. Yeah, Melomanes, and there's a guy from Cypress Hill that's brothers with Melomanes, so that's uh, right. Related. Exactly. Yeah. Ahmad. Back in the day, yeah. there was a team. Yeah, not a yeah I have a mod as a... I'm not sure, was that a really a big hit? I only found out about it when I moved to Los Angeles. Right. Because they, it was obviously a big hit here, and they played a lot on the kind of old-school radio station here. Yeah. And I was like, what is this song? I love this. So, okay, you go. You're next. Uh, how about Criss Cross? Jump. Ah! <laughs> yep, that's a good one. Uh, Cypress Not Hill's... to be mistaken by Christopher Cross. <laughs> <laughs> or, or Jump Around by House of Pain. Yes. Not, yeah, not Christopher yeah, exactly. Cross. Yeah. Um, but um, by the way, uh, that was on Rough House Records as well, who had Cypress Hill, who is Chris Schwartz, and who also signed Nas originally. It sign. all comes around. Yep. Well, I have to say, this is one of my favorite raps, so I'm just yeah. going to say this band, The Loonies. Yep. That was my next one, too. I got five really? on it. I love it. I got five on it. Is one of my favorite raps ever. Mine too. Immortalized in the new horror film Us. Yeah, that's right. He, I he remember. He plays it a lot. That's, that's he plays a, a track of it. But the Loonies I Got Five on it is one of the great sort of Amazing. also a classic kind of 
stoner. That's a big stoner hip hop group. So to tie in uh, cannabis to this, I can- agree. To this podcast, I love it. Yeah, yeah. always love cannabis. Sure. It, it should have been Cypress Hill. It just they just happen to be called Loonies. They're just basically doing a Cypress Hill imitation, but they're amazing. I agree. Man, there's so many. Uh, how about this? I know Black Sheep. Well, just the choice is yours. Yeah. That's a really good one, except I feel like, I don't know. You're right. That is the biggest I went rap. through their catalog last night. They did Similac Child. They did. Not, um, no, I mean, nowhere near. Not even No, close. nothing is as close to that. So I'll give you that one. I just love their, them so much that I had a few songs from them that I love. Right. Like, you could probably say the same about De La Soul. Like, they, they only had, like, one huge hit. Oh, no. De La Soul so has good. so many different songs. I mean, you can have Potholes right. in My Lawn. There's so many. I'm going to just say one more. Oh, this okay. is a hard one. Well, we said Lords of the Underground already, yeah. so I'm going to do that because they did Chief Rocka, yeah. but they also did Funky Child. Yeah. Special Ed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, got I got it made. made. Yeah, Special Ed actually has a couple more songs. So I did that research last night, and he's got like wow. another hit. That I, that's why I, I put him on the, the list. But Your Honorable of, Mention. Yeah, Honorable Mention with like Lady of Rage and those, those people. Del the Funky Homo Sapien. I'm going to give you one more that's a woman because we haven't done a woman yet. Oh, how about J.J. Fad Supersonic? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a, not my favorite rap in the world, but that's definitely a, a one hit. Is that, is, that a rap? is that even rap? It's not. I don't even know if it's rap. It's rap. I don't know what it was. It was like that fast-paced yeah, rap. It's in Miami. Isn't it Miami? Oh, was it Miami? A... Yeah. I never loved that. But uh, no, yes, that's a good one. And then, you know who's really good as a woman is Queen Penn, oh, Party yeah. Ain't a Party? Yeah. Party Ain't a Party. She sung back up on No Diggity, apparently. Yeah. She's part of the whole um, Teddy so, Riley. So is that is that it? Or we? You well, there's UTFO. But yeah. anyway, let's. But UTFO, let's... Roxanne, Roxanne. Yeah, I, I had that, yes. but I thought. Did you have Chub Rock? I had Chub Rock, as Arnold mentioned. <laughs> I had Us Three, Cantaloupe. Us Three is who I get confused with, Young MC. Yeah, that Us yeah. Three was. I mean, that's. I was just going for hits, in, and like Souls of Mischief. Souls of Mischief, mm, uh, uh, 93 really Till Infinity. That's a really good one, 93 Till Infinity. And then I, that's th- a really good one. And Blase, Blase. Uh, I wanted to ask you about Beat Nuts. Watch Out Now is their, their, their yep. hit, but I, they had a couple of those. I have a few Beat Nuts yeah. records, so I don't know. Okay. Probably most people have never even heard of the Beat Nuts, but I love Watch Out uh, Now. Watch I, out I highly now. recommend it. Listen to their catalog because they're really good. All right, so should we allow Tommy into this conversation? Yeah, we should allow Tommy, not only in the conversation, but also bring him in and in his running for council in his past history being a DJ and I want to like dig it into that a little bit more and then also maybe you don't know this John but Tommy also shared some really interesting uh, music with me it was a conversation about grunge music we were talking about a lead belly song that uh, Kurt Cobain actually remade and uh, he said that Mark Lanigan from Screaming Trees actually turn him on to that so welcome to the show tommy Step welcome tommy no well, I, I really appreciate that len thank you very much no it's it's great to be here and in fact you're talking about one hit wonders i wanted to see what you guys knew about third base whatever happened to them well oh, that's a good one yeah. the gas they face, have pop goes the weasel yeah. and gas face they have a few they have like three but i looked they're on my list as honorable mention but because because the gas face but also search uh is a big person in hip-hop uh, there's a lot of things that he did i mean john probably knows uh more than me right they definitely had one huge record right. but they, i can't, it's not fair to call them a one-hit wonder i just feel like i just feel terrible pop goes the weasel was a, <laughs> was a you know a, a minor hit. hit yeah 
Yeah. And weren't mm. they from back east? I mean, Len, I know you're from Philadelphia, and yeah. they weren't from that neck of the woods, were they? Yeah, I think they were. I think they were either New York or Philly. Uh, there was a lot of Philadelphia references in the in their videos too, but uh, we can Google. Yeah, we need to check that. Where is third base from? I loved third base. Yeah. I was always, you know, I felt like I couldn't like third base too much because it wouldn't it would make me soft. <laughs> um, they, they were pretty. They, but, were they were they they were pretty respected, weren't they? By uh, the industry or no or no i don't remember no they were i don't think they were considered to be like a vanilla ice type of no thing. no actually actually they made that this i don't remember what song it was maybe it was pop goes the weasel because they end up like beating up vanilla ice in the video yeah they they hated they hated him yeah it's it looks like they were from new york though. Oh, all right uh, so new york well and part of the um, hook too was they did a couple of bomb squad songs or songs with the bomb squad with um the shockley brothers and and, and eric stadler and that was so, sort of their appeal as well. I think they were on Def Jam. This has got to be 1989. Yep. Tommy does have that kind of DJ voice. I can, I'm hearing it now yeah, that he's on. Absolutely. The, he's got it. So you were... Right? So, I've tried years. How did you... Yeah. I, well, I was going to ask, like, uh, probably the same question John was going to ask. How, how did you get to uh, being a radio DJ? What kind of music did you guys play? Well, I got into uh, being on the air. I was uh, on the air at my college station, and uh, this was at Ohio University in uh, Athens, Ohio, in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. And it was very unique because at that point, this was the late 1980s, it was very hard to get FM radio in that part of the, the country because of the mountains. Right. And so it was not unusual to have cable providers also provide radio. And they were one of the first areas of the country that really started doing that. And so our radio station was available on cable and that's how people listen to it and I just volunteered and they said can you do an overnight shift and we have a playlist but you can basically play whatever you want and it was like yeah sign me up I was already very interested I'll I was uh, in the telecommunications building and I went to the official campus radio station which is a very revered NPR station WOUB they had this huge training uh, program and you can finally go on the air like your sophomore year or, or junior year. And I was like, you know, I want to get on the air now. And I went down the hall. I hear the Pixies crashing out of this little uh, studio, walk in there and some guy with really long hair is rocking out. And I'm like, okay, I want to work here where they're yeah. playing the Pixies and they're playing Tony's theme. And that began my, my broadcast career. Did you work all over the country as a DJ? I worked in Ohio at several, in several markets after I graduated. And then I was in Seattle for many years. And then I got hired in San Diego, where I am now. And I was briefly up in Portland working a nonprofit job. But I was, had a weekend job at our station in Portland, too. So, um, yeah, I've been, always rock, rock, or different formats. Oh, always rock formats. Yeah, yeah. I worked at uh, classic rock stations. I worked at alternative stations. I worked at uh, what used to be called adult alternative radio stations. And uh, you know, slowly over time, it's it's really a shame. Once the ratings methodology changed in 2010, you really got to a place where radio stations simply did not sound like they didn't sound unique to the city they were in any longer. Yeah. They mm -hmm. they just it became terribly homogenized, and it yeah, had yeah. already been going yeah. that way since about the mid 1990s. That's like iHeart Radio and all this stuff. Yeah, like iHeart Radio is the former Clear Channel, and in yeah, some Clear ways yeah. they were the most notable offender, but they were not the only offender. And I think they paid for a lot of the sins of the radio industry generally, yeah, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Uh, I forgot to mention just my ADD kicked in. Tommy also made a case for Joe Strummer to be added to our 
passed too early or whatever the, we call that list. Died too early. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Gone too soon. That was it. Gone too soon. <laughs> we, died died, died too, early. too early. Croaked at the wrong period. Oh, yeah. It was gone too I, I soon. Think, yeah. I think Joe was like in his 50s when he, uh, when he passed. So the reason why we left him off because – you're right. Die too soon. That kind of gray gone. area. It's yeah. a gray area because, and but both we included, the, but then we had all these, like, you know, Chris Cornell, and he's older, so you made a really good case that for was the a good clash. One. That was a good yeah, one. Yeah, it, it definitely made sense. We're adding a little footnote to our list. You know, we're adding Joe Strummer in there too. So Wonderful. Yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah. It's like I'm I'm 51 now, and Joe died when he was 50, and yeah. you know, you hit those little like John Lennon. My God, was murdered at 40. 40. It's insane. That's crazy. It's just. Uh, have, have you guys seen the uh, the 2020 has the 40th? Uh, they have this whole uh, John Lennon thing for the 40th anniversary from uh, the day he was killed. Man, what a great uh, you know profile they did on him. It's, it's amazing, really in depth to go into every single detail of his life up to that day and after. Really fantastic. Oh, wow. Highly recommend it. Tommy, I have some uh, platform questions for you. Uh, since you're running, since you're running for office, oh, and you better no. be careful because this could be held against you. We, we yeah. make sure. So, uh, sir, commissioner, get, commissioner, Dr. Yeah, commissioner, Dr. Commissar, Dr. Commissar, Dr. Commissar, Dr. around. Falco, Falco, well, that's die not, too soon. We're, we're gonna, yeah, Falco. That is absolutely true, Falco. But <laughs> we'll get to that for when we do other one-hit wonders in other uh, genres. But uh, uh, what is your position on? cannabis and just drugs in, in general. It's funny you mention that. I, I ran for the same seat before in 2018. And the district of San Diego that I live in has one of the highest levels of areas zoned for industrial use, industrial use and light industrial use. And as a result, it's one of those areas where a cannabis industries are able to function these are not necessarily areas where storefronts are going to be, but they're areas where distribution is the wrong way to put it, but Col a lot of the collection points. Yeah. This is a wonderful opportunity to ensure that we've got uh, taxable revenue coming into our city. This is in line with where the population of California is right now. The, the city should is, be is, uh, certainly Is San Diego generally pretty conservative place? It's still blue, San Diego. It wasn't always. Different than Orange County, yeah. Orange County and San Diego County were always sort of the, the conservative areas of California generally. Today, mm -hmm. that's really shifted to what we in Southern California call the Inland Empire, pockets of the Central Valley, and some areas of the North Coast. But it was a big deal when San Diego County and the city really became uh, reliably blue. Orange County is still very, very light purple. Um, mm -hmm. But it's a big change from just when I first came here 18 years ago. Now, I'm an environmentalist, and when I first arrived here, just the suggestion of an environmental impact on something was really greeted with a, a great deal of hostility. And that is not the case any longer. And that's a, that's a positive trend. But that's also where California and much of the United States is going right now. Did you know that they planted hemp in Chernobyl to get all the nuclear waste material from the ground so it can absorb it? Speaking no, of I, environmental. Yep. I had That's no idea. Thing. Somebody in yep. Ukraine is making a killing off that, I'm sure. <laughs> and nu nuclear hemp. That's a new thing. <laughs> Buy it's it here. Brand name oh, right there. Get a hold of that. That's Atlanta. my new, nuclear yeah, hemp. that's my new yeah, brand. It's, it's, an yeah. amazing, it's an amazing crop with so many different uses uh, of the plant. I just met a guy uh, the other night. He owns a, a clothing company. Every single thing they make is using hemp. And it's amazing. Like uh, really nice clothes, suits and, and hats and scarf, everything. 
and really, really good quality. And industrial crop, I saw like building material using hemp. If we move in that direction, I think that's going to be a positive impact on the environment. And honestly, I mean, state governments are in a position where they're really catching up at this point to where the public is already. And you asked also about about drugs generally, Len. No one should be incarcerated at this moment for any kind of nonviolent defense. It just should not even be happening right now. And the idea that somehow someone is still biding their time in prison over a, a marijuana offense where no one was hurt, that's just not where this nation is right now either. Do you have a dis- distinction between like uh, plant-based or plant-derived products versus like pharmaceuticals, or is it all kind of lumped together? Well, I suppose for for my purposes, I'm uh, I'm I'm speaking broadly of the cannabis industry. But part of the reason I I want to speak with you more about that, and certainly listen more to those who tune into the show, is is to learn more about this, and so that I'm more aware about it too. Yeah, absolutely. We're, I'd love to be able to provide as much uh, information as possible because, and I'm always learning. So every single day there's something new, and I'd love to be able to communicate that. I'm sure John speaks to a lot of people uh, all day, every day, who communicate different things about different drugs. I, the whole thing about drugs in general has such a stigma associated to that title. Maybe we should call them something else because we put them all in this category. Yeah, I hate that word drug. It's a drug. It's like strange. Why, why don't you call it sugar? Like I mean, sugar is a drug, you know? It yeah. Alcohol. Coffee is a drug. Yeah, alcohol, caffeine. Caffeine. Anything that's yeah. altering something inside of us. But uh, Tommy, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you're a veteran too. Right? No, no, no. I'm no. not a veteran. No, I. He's a veterinarian. Oh, veterinarian. <laughs> so, no, so. <laughs> not. But am I seeing a flag behind you? That was my uncle's uh, burial flag. Got it. So I yeah. apologize. I made an assumption that it was uh, something to do with the, the military because you had a flag behind. No, you. but uh, the military is is obviously has an enormous presence in San Diego. It always right. has. The uh, the Navy has been here. I live right by. MCAS Miramar. Uh, it's in the district that I'm running in, and it's an enormous economic engine within within the city. A lot of my neighbors are, are Marines and sailors, so it's it's part of the culture here in San Diego. That's one of the reasons why I was going there. So you kind of segued into the military. That's what I want to talk to you about. You know, in terms of the military right now and the VA not allowing cannabis, even CBD, but now they're starting to look at that. Uh, so I wanted to see, because there's a lot of research that's going on on different types of like PTSD, et cetera. There's, a, a, I think, a uh, second phase trial on MDMA that seems to be like mm-hmm. over 80% effective for PTSD for veterans. So I was just wondering- And, car- and carotene. Uh, ca- ca- ketamine. Uh, ketamine. Ketamine, yeah. not carotene. Carotene, carotene is, is good also too. good, but it's, it's in good, carrots. Yeah, it's good for yeah. you to get beta, ketamine, beta carotene. Ketamine has been shown to be very helpful. Ketamine has been fantastic. First of all, it's legal, and uh, I'm involved in a study around it now. And then second of all, it's when it's administered intermuscularly, it's a completely different experience than when you're you know, taken in a different way. So what are your thoughts about the military and veterans and being able to have access to plant medicine? Well, again, this is a case of government and agencies catching up to where the public already is. The wonderful thing and one of the great arrangements that we have with those who have served our nation is that they have access to the VA. And the Veterans Administration has actually been rather progressive in a number of areas. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I've interviewed people before, actually, who have had various methods, practices for addressing and even curbing 
the effects of PTSD. And, and as veterans can tell you, I mean, it creeps up at, at strange times. You know, you're driving down a certain alley and all of a sudden you start thinking about, well, this is a great place to be ambushed. So, you're, you know, you're right, Len, there are applications for cannabis where this can wind up benefiting uh, those who have PTSD. And, and honestly, as a nation, you know, we went into this cycle where we decided that we we're going to go to war with everybody. And we just cannot do that. We, right. we do not have the wealth or the riches, not only in blood and treasure, but just in addressing what people bring home with them. It's terrible that we as a nation were so unprepared for the unique components of PTSD that came out of uh, the wars uh, earlier in this century. If somebody volunteered to give their life for this country when they're back, we give them anything and everything they need in order to make their life, you know, quote unquote right. normal. It doesn't yeah. matter what it is. You got it. Here you go. I mean, th nobody makes a bigger sacrifice than that. Unfortunately, we're giving them opioids and those are having the worst effect. That, that, ever is, that is absolutely true. And that's the classic medical reaction, isn't it? It's like, oh, well, you're not feeling good. You're having some anxiety. Well, we'll take this and take it yeah. with food. Uh, and that's not necessarily a long-term solution. Yeah, we've been focused on acute care and we do a really good job on focusing on this hurts. Let me give you something for this right now. But we do a really, really poor job of looking at chronic. What is the underlying reason why that's hurting and what can we do to prevent that from actually hurting? But the pharmaceutical industry makes their living on exactly that. We'll put a patch on this. Maybe that patch will also affect this. And there's a whole bunch of different things that we can provide uh, to individuals on that. So Yeah, I'm not going to speak for the pharmaceutical industry, but I, I let, let's give credit where credit is due. I mean, we're giving inoculations for COVID a year after uh, that pandemic rolled in. So clearly when there is a major emergency, the pharmaceutical industry is able to step up and, and rapidly address that. The larger problem that we have in the United States is just having this such a large profit motive attached to health. Yeah. And in any mm -hmm. other westernized nation that we share so much in terms of culture, sometimes right. we share language with them. And yet mm -hmm. for some reason in this country, you make money off of people being sick instead of making money off of people being healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Makes total sense. So backwards. All right, Tommy, just because this is what we do on the show, we have several questions that we ask all our guests. So because you already know the questions are, uh, <laughs> your hand is on the Bible. So you have to answer honestly. <laughs> right, especially as a politician. Yes. Did, uh, you we inhale? Know. did we you know. inhale? <laughs> did, did you inhale? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> all right, all right. So we'll, we'll, start, we'll start with, please describe your first experience with cannabis. Uh, and, it can be, and it can be now. We can light up right now. It'll be your first one. Yeah. If it can be, I never had an experience with cannabis, which is fine. It was a, a long time ago, and I was actually on a church trip um, skiing as- <laughs> That makes it worse. Uh, as a teenager. I was from um, Pittsburgh, and I we were somewhere in the um, the Laurel you Highlands, so somewhere around there. Pocono anyway, Mountains? Pocono no, we weren't that far east. We weren't that oh. far east, but I, I the Poconos are lovely. But there were some kids from Johnstown. They didn't have joints. They had uh, a pipe. Oh. Uh, not, yeah, uh, well, it was it was a, like a metal pipe. I guess it's a bowl, right. and um, it just burned my throat, and I didn't I didn't get high off of it. But of course, the first time you never do, right? It depends. John did. It, well, <laughs> I did, and also Len Len thinks it's because you don't inhale. You're scared. So you know, I, I think people scared. are just afraid yeah. to really really inhale. If you really do it right, you'll you'll most likely do. <laughs> so that yeah. that was your first experience. But what was what was the actual experience? We you felt something. Was the next day? No, I mean, it would have been, I guess it was a couple of years later 
when I finally felt it. And the thing that I that most struck me about it was was not only just laughing and having um, this very new feeling of joy and feeling rather connected with what's happening around you, but certainly music had a large part of that. And I, but I cannot recall the time or place. I'd like to say it was a concert or something, but I it had to have been after that time in uh, the Laurel Highlands and before I went to college. So it was a pretty positive experience. It wasn't the one of John's where he's got to go Nathan's and... and John's know. story, that, that's an epic story. I mean, it I'm is an epic. I quote it all the time. Yeah, recall. We recall it all the time. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm glad you had the right Playing friends and the right food available to uh, to see you through it. Fried Set clams. and setting with everything. Yeah. You want, yeah, yeah. You want fried clams, though, when you're really, really hot. <laughs> Um, and you say set and setting uh, quite a bit, mm-hmm. Len. And actually, yeah. I think that's that's a very positive. I mean, no matter if you're doing some sort of altered states experiment, whatever the case may be, the first thing is set and setting. Nobody's everything. answering the phone around here, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, and I, absolutely. With everything, and yeah, everything you do, you're absolutely right. Um, well, you kind of answered this already, but uh, let, maybe we can dig into this. Uh, we're music guys. You're a music guy, too. Is there a genre that really connects to you, like, what does you go to? What does you go to? Album, music, genre. Often, when you when when that's asked on this program, it's it's asked in conjunction with, with if you're using, and I I, uh, I I I haven't. You're not a regular. Yeah, we sk- we yeah. skipped over yeah. that uh, part. We already let's uh, let's imagine. Okay, well, how about when you're just completely drunk? <laughs> What's your go to? <laughs> because that's legal, isn't it? It's legal. Yes, with ketamine. It's and you do acceptable. bumps of ketamine, which is legal too. You <laughs> What's your go-to music when you're no? I swamped? you know what? All I can tell you is that I am, I am a folky and I am a hippie at heart when it comes mm-hmm. to music. And as much as I love Motorhead, as much as I love my Ozzy and and my heavy metal, and as much as I love the Clash and all things punk, I just love the All Things Must Pass album by George Harrison. Oh yeah, I just don't album. think it gets better than that. I, I mean. And not only it's a triple album, so you get more of the whole vibe. Yeah. But and we're all Beatles fans, I I, I realize. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. um, the space where George was when he came out of the Beatles, the volume of incredible songs that he had, the amount, yeah. the players that he had to work with. I know Phil Spector obviously uh, turned out to be a pretty bad guy, but at that point in 1970, he was still just firing guns into the studio ceiling, yeah. and and he clearly brought out a lot out of those songs as well. But the players, my God, the people he had around them. And just that vibe, that sort of uh, Dylan-esque, uh, the bandish vibe at that point was just marvelous. Yeah. Great album, completely agree, and great song, uh, yeah. and and message. Like yeah. not, it's not only music, but if you really listen to it, what a beautiful, beautiful soul that he was able. He to He was share. such a spiritual yeah. guy, yeah. And he got, he got a lot of static for that. And and sometimes if you're a particularly spiritual person and, and whatever it may be, and you're wearing it on your sleeve, maybe it doesn't always make for, for great rock and roll. And, and, and you can levy those criticisms against George Harrison. And he might have even agreed. But on All Things Must Pass, that formula just worked so well. Yeah. And, and again, it comes down to the songs. And a good song is a good song. I'm not even sure this question is relevant to you, but uh, I'll ask it anyway. Cause I is did. it your bonus? No, no, no. The bonus oh. we get. No, it's uh, what, what has <laughs> cannabis meant in your life? Well, I've certainly had some pretty exciting concert experiences. Um, we, we talk about drugs. Why do we talk about cannabis as a drug? This is something that grows naturally upon the earth. Right. It was here before humans. It will be after us. 
how you seek to regulate something that just grows, I find astonishing. It's not processed. It's not refined. You can process as it. So I guess what it means to me is it's part of the, the natural ecosystem yes. in so many parts of the world. You, you made an excellent point because here's the analogy that I, I like to use. Every single chemical, every single drug, like pharmaceutical drug that we make, is a derivative or replication of something that grew in nature, right? And then that thing that grew in nature has a receptor binding in our bodies, in our brains, and it has a chemical reaction, response. So some drugs are serotonin inducers, some are dopamine. Cannabis happens to be an andamide, which is its own category. But it's the same thing as if you go, you know, the cocoa leaf, can you actually consume cocoa leaf? It grows naturally. It's where you process it, you make cocaine, but no, it's illegal and it's a drug, but we can have Novocaine and Exum, whatever, Xcane in medicine. So it's a, it's a really interesting thing. Is there a distinction because it grows in the ground, it's legal, it's not a drug even though it can alter you, or is it uh, because uh, you know there's, a, there's an opportunity to make money from that, uh, so they make it illegal from the plant side and you can only buy it on this side of the aisle. All right, bonus question. <laughs> please, you know he's he's ready for it. <laughs> please describe your room, uh, what it looked like growing up. I had crates of records. I probably had about. Cool. I probably started off with about six crates of records, and I'll bet that grew to about ten, and it just ate up all of the floor space in my room. I had a little Emerson record player and uh, and, and tape deck. I uh, and I had a you know a, a desk and a dresser that for some reason was was painted glossy green. I don't know why, but that's when nobody sees all the joints that you're rolling on. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> I got the green. ashtray hidden in the sock drawer. Um, you you've asked about posters before, and I I know in college we had. I wish I had those posters today. They were we had Sex Pistols posters. I mean, all the coolest stuff, you know, but. Uh, yeah. I think in high school, I probably just had like a Sgt. Pepper's poster or something like that. And that's, I think that, that's, a, that's a cool one. Really, it was those crates of records. And in the yeah. 80s, I don't know about you guys, but I, um, well, John, I know you were spinning some music, so you were certainly uh, accumulating some vinyl. But, you know, everybody had cassettes back then. And I hated cassettes because cassettes sounded like shit. Drums yeah. sounded like shit. And on they cassettes. would break, and then you'd have to fix the thing tape. with your pencil. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah tape. exactly. So you got to do with the, and then tape, cut it and tape it with a little tape. Yeah. I once saw a little meme that was like, you know, you know, you were born, you know, if, you, if you're born after 1990, you have no idea what this <laughs> means. And it was like a cassette tape with a pencil. Yeah. Like, yeah. no idea. What does that yeah, even mean? Yeah. But records just, I, I wasn't <laughs> no. surprised when records made a comeback a dozen years ago. Not only because I, I think there was a, a generation of music lovers who really wanted something that felt more authentic, but it was the packaging of records and all the inserts. And, and uh, But yeah. in my opinion, the, the vinyl sounded so much better than cassettes, and they weren't run off at 35 miles an hour. Absolutely. And um, Now everybody's back to vinyl. My son loves yeah. vinyl. For 15 years old, For sure. loves it. We're, we're back. Well, yeah. Tommy's going to introduce us to a new genre of music that John and I are not familiar with. Love. <laughs> How do you want to cue this? Yeah, so if you if you are a regular consumer of this show, you know that uh, there's been an effort to to really get get John into the blues. And by the and, way, I'm wearing my Chess Records T-shirt. Oh, nice, nice, nice. very yeah. cool. Leonard Chess is very very pleased that I hope he's getting a royalty of that. He probably is knowing Leonard <laughs> he, Chess. Uh, yeah, right? yeah. 
And that's remarkable too, because you know, like when the Rolling Stones first came to the United States, all they wanted to do was they wanted to go to Muscle Shoals Studios yep. and Chess Studios and cut yep. records where their heroes cut records, you know? Yep. Not the joke, but the longstanding project of Len is to get John more into the blues. And then a couple of times Len has mentioned that, well, you know, I'm, you know country's really this sort of uh, island that I haven't been able to really uh, set down upon in a comfortable way. So I, I have three questions I want to ask you about country music, Len. But okay. if you can explain what it is about country, your interactions with it, and maybe what you don't like about it. I, I mean, as far as interactions, I've, I've listened to a lot of country music. There are some that they connect, like, you know, The Gambler with Kenny Rogers. And I listen to some Willie Nelson stuff that I, I kind of like and some little bit of Waylon, you know, Johnny, Johnny Cash. Cash. Yeah, Johnny Cash. There's some Johnny Cash I don't really consider country. So it's sort of country rock in a way. And I can appeal to that. But it's like this reminder of the guy with the one tooth, his sister is his girlfriend kind of thing that I have this uh, stigma in my mind when I hear some of that music it starts reminding me of deliverance a little bit. <laughs> or or January 6th insurrection. <laughs> There's something slightly red state, bad part of the red states. Yeah, I, for, I don't even have a political uh, connection to it, but, you know, John is separating the country in that way. I guess they're the country and the yeah, country. It's yeah, it's the country and the country. So I got nothing against I, I don't. States, I don't really, but... I listen to a lot of different music, but the music I really like connects to me in a soulful way. I like sad music, lyrics, and I know the country has good lyrics, but... For some reason, it doesn't have that same connection to me, maybe because I didn't grow up with it. So yeah, that is all valid. And those are reasons that you're going to find among a lot of, of people who, who really love music. So I, I don't think you're in, a, in an unusual place there. But I, I wanted to sort of verbalize that just so you know, we know where, where the palette is. Let me ask you three questions very quickly. First of all, do you like sort of the storytelling tradition in popular music? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's hip hop. And that's right, folk and all that stuff. Yeah, definitely right. looks okay. storytelling. You appreciate folk music. You're okay with that approach as far as like delivering a story or, or, or delivering a scenario in song? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm completely open. I don't have a preconceived notion. If it connects me, I don't care what the genre is. So yeah, if you know the song is going to be country going in, do you feel comfortable opening your heart to a place of authenticity and sincerity <laughs> That there's a bit of vulnerability in there too. Do you are are you comfortable with that? I'm very comfortable with that. So I didn't know who the Zach Brown band was. I had no idea who they were. So somebody says, "Hey man, you got to check out Zach Brown band." And I was like, "Oh man, cool. Let me hear this." And I went into it blind. I didn't know that it was sort of uh, country. I was like, "Okay, I get it. It's interesting without any preconceived notion." But I didn't love it, right? But it came into it without understanding who they were, or what kind of music it is. Okay. The three songs I have, and we can just listen to a snippet of them. You guys determine how much you want to listen to, and you turn it off when you're comfortable with doing that. Yep. And I'm going to admit that I'm, I am cheating, but I'll tell you how I'm cheating afterwards, and hopefully you don't okay. know any of these songs. After, and after we play each segment, I'll, I'll give you a little tidbit about it and give you something to think about with them. Okay. Glad so swift. Rain won't lift, gate won't close, railings froze. Get your mind off winter time. You ain't going nowhere.
that's country music? Yeah, I was going to say, that That sounds like... Uh, that sounds like a little bit like The Dead or something. Yeah, or like, yeah uh, it definitely sounds like a jam band, like a Mo or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I liked it. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was, yeah, like it was pretty good. I didn't, I didn't dislike band. it. Good. The instrumentation is, is pretty classic Nashville of that era. You know, Robert Crisco, the old classic Village Voice uh, writer, was always talking about how... You know, in the old days in Nashville, you, you get the artist, you get the gang together and apply formula. And that's basically what they did. You get a good song, you uh, have a folky backdrop to it, you've got the steel guitar predominant. If one were using cannabis in some ways, listening to some of this, it might have that same reaction that you have if you're listening to The Dead, where everything just feels like springtime, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And the lyrics kind of reflect that coming out of a, of a wintry period. It's okay, so I'm glad that was uh, digestible, I think. is. Yeah, yeah I like yeah. it. Should we play track two? Yeah, yeah, play, play track two. I am a pilgrim and a stranger Traveling through this wearsome land I've got a home in that yonder city, good Lord, and it's not, not made by hand. Kind of picture yourself driving through the Central Valley when you hear that. Yeah, right? I, I, I'm, like on a, I'm on a horse is, right Kermit, now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kermit is strumming a guitar and Steve Martin. Yeah, it's got a little banjo-y kind of thing going right, on. Right, right. There's a banjo shows up in that. It's got... One of those yeah. th- those classic key of A uh, country changes, which is a, n- a nice way that uh, yeah, that's like cowboy. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. the guitar can kind of make a change that way. That song is um, "I Am a Pilgrim," and it comes from like this mm. this like Pentecostal storytelling tradition and searching for a holy place. But because it comes from that storytelling tradition, you can just apply it to any kind of journey. And that feeling of mobility is enabled by the arrangement. So, yeah, you feel like you're on the horse and it feels yeah, like I'm, it's... I'm riding. I'm, I think like there, there's other bands, like the Stones and other bands that have implemented, you know, some of these techniques and some of the songs they did. Yeah, You Got the Silver I th- is one of my favorite Stone songs from Side yeah. 2 of Let It Bleed. And it's just... Exactly. Uh, so this stuff is great. It, it ain't no Shania Twain. I mean, I think that's the <laughs> stuff that me and... And I think, you know, and and this is probably why I'm cheating. There was this whole push where where really country music became very sanitized for housewives and people on Percocet. And in in many ways, it became that soundtrack of of Red America, if you will, uh, John. That's exactly what it is, I think. And it's it's a guy, doesn't he have a Red Solo Cup song and all that? Oh. I forgot forgot his name. But it's like, when I listen to that kind of music, I'm like, oh my God. You were got a Confederate flag that you're flying, and like yeah. I, I visualize all that, and that doesn't appeal to me. And so that's why I wanted to share some of this, sure. and maybe you know get your palate wetted a little bit. So if you hear something like that, maybe the reaction isn't automatically a deliverance or whatever the yeah. case may be. So if you want to fire up that last one, John, go right ahead. My nights have been lonely. Since I've been in Tulsa County And I really don't know what I'm gonna do I just might take a trip somewhere Along the southern border Cause I know I've gotta get away from you I don't know 
This is the Ted Cruz. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's uh, he's, he's, he's in Cancun right Cruz. now. This is his theme song. He is in Cancun. By the way, like, by the I do not think like I would if I heard this, I wouldn't say it's country. I like that yeah, music, but to me, that's to me, like that could be America it's folky, or like America, even singer songwriter. Like, I've been through a desert on the horse. Yeah, it's like it's uh, America, <laughs> like a James Taylor, a Bob yeah, Dylan. Yeah. Folk yeah, music. it sounds like singer-songwriter yeah. type of stuff to me. So I, if that's country, uh, count yeah. me in. You know, country's a huge genre. We well, I also, the, the country, like, I like uh, the Saggy Bottom Boys, like, uh, from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Right, yeah, right, yeah, that, that Appalachian it's, tradition. It's fun, yeah. but it's it's fun because it's there's a catchy part of it. So, yeah, I think country, we just learned that there's a whole bunch. You can't lump, uh, put it all in one sort of category. There's a whole bunch of different types of country, I guess. It's like hip-hop. My cheat on this is that each of these songs predated all of the artists that you mentioned who had basically popularized what in many ways became country rock or folk, and those are all by The Birds. And, um, um, and they were really the first rock band to start embracing Nashville-style arrangements and not dabbling sense. in it, but actually going into the deep end. So in all of these cases, they were folkies who learned how to play rock who got into country. And as yeah. a result, they wound up turning the rock crowd onto country music. And then you had the good and the bad come from it. You had whatever you think of the Eagles, right. the Eagles happened as a result of it. Right. Whatever you think of right. James right. Taylor, James Taylor happened as a result of it. Right. Right. And that led to... But Garth Brooks did. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And so they were really the first band to do that. And um, <laughs> so now when you hear that stuff today, it feels very much from almost a rock tradition. But back then, that yeah. was very much considered... Right. That was kind of radical. Yeah, there's a documentary that chronicles this about Laurel Canyon because they were all up yeah, in yeah, yeah, Canyon, the, right, the, yeah, um, Canyon one. yeah, which is really interesting. And, uh, and mamas and papas, and all those that. guys. That's well, very I, cool. I do have to say, and I appreciate the lesson. I'm very, very open to it. Still, since it's the birds, this country doesn't connect to this the country that I was talking about with the the Red Solo Cup and the Garth Brooks and the Blake Sheldon stuff. To me, that's like a different category of country so i i will open up my mind a little bit more and and listen and if you can play me some kenny chesney <laughs> and shania twain these are just bands that, that I what's know. what's these her name underwood what's a what, what? Carrie, yeah, underwood? Carrie underwood yeah well tommy i wanted to give you a plug everybody should go out and vote for city council in san diego i don't i don't remember which district six Yes, that's correct. District six. Oh, okay. The six. Look at that. Yeah. So, uh, where can people, whatever they need to do, vote for you? I I don't think we have an election yet, so I don't know. Yeah, we don't. What should people do? No election until the primary in June of 2022. If anyone's interested in helping out and and contributing, which is uh, exceptionally important right now, you can go to TommyForSanDiego.com. Not the number four. TommyForSanDiego.com. If you have questions about cannabis policy, I, I'd be happy to connect with you about that. Tommy for San Diego.com. See, but if Tommy wins, he can't be our editor anymore. So I, I, I have mixed feelings. <laughs> I know. I know. That's, yeah. He's doing such a good job there. It's so, so appreciate Exactly. Hey, Tommy, can I be your official cannabis consultant when he you win like in office? I'll put on a jacket or something. I don't know what you're supposed to do. <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> Big you if you want to support uh, cannabis. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, Big U is really yeah, going to love this you know, podcast. Yeah, he's going to, like, this guy's going to catch me walking outside somewhere. Were you talking about me? No, man. Lots of love. Lots of love. Say hi yeah. to your lovely wife. Right, thank, thank you so much. Thanks for your Appreciate time. It. Enjoy yourselves. Take care. An interesting lesson in uh, country music sold? that isn't really country yeah. music. Exactly. That's what I was <laughs> I mean, I loved say. what he played. Well, I, I liked it too. I'm I like, love what oh, he played. Birds, it like, that makes crap. sense. That's yeah. why I like that. I like the birds. And I, I, and I yeah, thought, yeah. like, when the That's song sounded really it. familiar too, I'm like, it sounds familiar. It's like I've been through the desert. Yeah, it's, it's that building, kind of stuff. You know, it, I love yeah, that. Yeah, it doesn't stuff. sound, yeah. it wasn't really saggy bottom boy. Yeah, I thought he was going to start playing. Didn't sound like he was uh, somebody was playing. Either the, the uh, what, yeah. do you, what do you call that, uh, the the thing that they use in, uh, to dry their clothes on? The, uh, 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 the doing, yeah, the, I don't remember. Why can't we think of that? Something board. Something, something board. The, something board. <laughs> something board. I'm excited because I sort of have an inkling. I'm going to close my eyes so I don't see. So uh, this is a Fife Dog album. Obviously, Fife is uh, past. I think there's going to be posthumously, yeah, posthumously, a posthumous, posthumous release. release with uh, Red Man and Buster Ryan. But by the way, I believe this is the first song off the album. So there'll be a lot more. I'm super, super excited to hear Nutshell Part 2. Featuring leads most inviolable. Get involved. Invest in these youths, kid, invigorate. Induce that all realness. Insecure, nah, more like inhumane. It's not a game. Shut your mouth. Use your inner voice. Say in your lane. Inaugurate those with incentive to want to innovate. Insisting that those who inspire, we will initiate. What? And that's just me in a nutshell. 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 Ha. Fight dog in a nutshell. New York finest in a nutshell. Look. Unpredictable, I'm so unfuckwittable, unfathomable, the love again unconditional, unequivocal. He's such a distinct voice character, everything like every oh, yeah. every I song he's Rhymes. on, he makes it better. And let me get to Fife. Pete the rebirth of the reborn as I rebuild, reconnect with this rebel, redefine and more skill. I realign, readjusted, refocus, reanalyze what's real versus bullshit. Had to refuel, reactivate, to reemerge, reevaluate, recalculate. Bitch, I return, redefine, reenergize, get reacquainted. That's dope. I love it. It's got a great, great beat and great um, voices. Yeah, who produced that? Is that like a a Q-tip kind of thing? I didn't thing, see or? Q-tip on there. I'm not, that I'm not 100% sure. Q-tip's not on. He's not up on that. But usually when Busta Rhymes does stuff... By the way, Redman is one of the more underrated rappers of all time. Redman was great. In terms of hits, though... He doesn't have a lot of hits. He's not a one-man No. Guy. I mean, he's never even had a really huge hit. I think he had... But I mean, I can I tell you like a bunch one, of raps that he's done. I think he had one hit, and then he had that time for some action, which is a B-real uh, <laughs> sample. <laughs> That he used. Yeah, that's true. And he did um, Method Man, Red Man. And he was, you know. I love the Method Man, Red Man. How, how the, high? The Rock Wilder. Oh, yeah, yeah, Do you yeah. know the Rock Wilder? Mm -hmm. I love that. That was great, yeah. man. Thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah. That made me happy. Yeah. Nutshell. Big ups to nutshell. Fife Dog. Just don't get confused with Nutshell to... by Alice in Chains. Same name, different song. Or D's Nuts <laughs> by Dr. Dre. <laughs> Yeah, get well, Dr. Dre. It was good to see Dr. Dre on that documentary. Yeah, for sure. All right, you man, I love you. 
you dog what's his name you man i don't want that guy coming after me i'm gonna cut that part out of the video i love you you <laughs> i love you you this is a long, long show. show all right let me just do but this it's a good show you was packed you get your money's worth on this That's one true. all right this is great to all uh a great show <laughs> and thank you so much for joining us this evening this today and uh, we'll see you next week everything is personal listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humiston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.